So, episode 13. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome back, everybody, to the Top DAT Podcast. I'm the Uplift AT, Dr. Brandon Holland. And I am the unapologetic AT, Dr. Donita Valentine. All right, we got a fun one today. This is just, uh, this is going to be a blast. I can't wait. I'm really excited. We got a, a really fun special guest in the house. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to um, just really thank everybody for listening and liking and sharing our, our content. It really helps when you do that. And uh, please keep it up. Please inspire other people to do the same. And on that, um, do we have any new social media shout outs this week? Um, yes, we do. I would give a shout out to Dr. Frank Walters for following the top that podcast on Instagram and Sarah Pilkoff for following us on LinkedIn and also Bryce Papp, who is a master's student at George Mason University, who also gave us a follow on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for supporting us, and we would like to express how much we appreciate you. And Bryce Papp is a Bobcat, Frostburg State University alumni. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> All right, so we're back. <laughs> I had to throw a sound effect in there. I wish we had it. We need a Bobcat sound effect. I don't have that many buttons. My, you didn't like my Bobcat sound effect? I, I, I did like the, the Bobcat sound Okay, I have to ask you guys a question. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go off script just a little bit. Did you happen to see the video of the man and the woman in North Carolina? They were coming out of their house, and the woman got yeah. attacked by like a real-life Bobcat? Yes. This is. I had to watch it. It's not funny, um, but I watched it over and over again because I couldn't understand where it came from. This thing, I didn't think the sound what? was real. That's actually the sound that they make. So. Oh. I, that would have paralyzed me. I would have been paralyzed in fear. This dude, if you didn't see it, everybody, you just got to YouTube it. Um, the man ran around the car and pulled this bobcat off of his wife with his bare hands and ran across the front lawn and tried to throw the thing down the street. And, uh, the thing, it ran under the car and ran away. He was going to shoot it. I think he, he had a sidearm on his hip and he was going to shoot it, but it, it ran off. But if you husband of the year, husband of the decade. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yep. That dude won with his so. bare hands. Yeah. And, yeah. and bobcats can kill bears. Like they're not nice animals when they're when they're not happy. And this thing wasn't happy. So kudos to that guy. He's, he's and he guy. held it. He did. Like he held it for a good amount of time and walked it like across the lawn <laughs> and then like tossed it. That was the most incredible incredible video I've seen this year, by far. By far. I bet he's an athletic trainer. He's got to be some kind of. This must be a superpower. He's in the Bobcat Avenger. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so recap of last week. Last week, we actually talked a little. We took last week off because we both needed a break. We were tired. 
So for that family, we apologize Absolutely. for leaving you uh, hanging. Um, we're going to make it up to you somehow. But the last uh, episode we completed, we talked about times where we had to use our athletic training superpowers, our special teachings and in, in training and athletic training to provide medical care for people who weren't athletes. And those were some pretty interesting stories. Um, had good outcomes, so that was awesome. And um, we might do that again because there's always there's more than one. Everybody has a crazy story about a time they helped a person and it wasn't at a football game or a wrestling match, so. All right, so should we should we introduce this week's guest? Um, yes, we should. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, we have a special guest, Mr. Ryan Brown, who is uh, someone who I have a great deal of respect for. Uh, he's got his bachelor's degree in uh, human nutrition, foods, exercise from the Virginia Tech. And he's got a master's degree in athletic training from George Mason University. So Virginia Tech 2017, George Mason 2019. He's a board-certified athletic trainer licensed in the state of Maryland. And uh, last year he fellowed at the, Uni- um, sorry, the United States Naval Academy, where he worked football, heavyweight crew, baseball, women's basketball, the swimming and diving, wrestling, and men's and women's ice hockey. So he did it all. He's currently the head ATC at St. Mary's High School in Annapolis, Maryland, which is right near my old stomping grounds. A really interesting bit of information about that school. They have about 500 students and 420 of them are athletes, and Ryan takes care of all of them. And he's a Steelers fan and a Penguins fan, but we will let him slide this week. <laughs> no. I, you know, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Ooh. Okay, but – um. Without further ado, everybody, uh, Ryan Brown. Welcome, Ryan Brown, to the podcast. I had to be on. Um, Dr. Holland was one of my preceptors in grad school, so when he reached out and asked about coming on to the podcast, I absolutely wanted to um, and kind of talk about some things this week of being a new athletic trainer. Um, it's only been about two years for me since I graduated, but... Uh, been an interesting two years with COVID um, and kind of getting my feet wet. I'm excited to be on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to bump with us. This is going to be fun. Um, yeah. As Ryan mentioned, he was uh, a, my, he was a clinical student. I, I got to have him for an entire year, which is rare. We usually get a new person at the end of the semester or at the end of the rotation. So I had, did you do preseason with me also? Yeah, so we started at like the beginning of August. So basically from August to May of my second, my entire second year of grad school, basically. And it was a blast. One of the things I always admired about Ryan is uh, at the time I was teaching. So I would I would teach during the day and then I would do athletic training in the afternoon. And um, we had a window from my teacher's lounge in the gym where I could look down. And every time the dismissal bell rang, I would walk out and I walked past the window. I could see the athletic training room. And Ryan would be sitting there on the floor next to the door with a textbook, getting himself ready. And um, he was always punctual. He was always where he was supposed to be. He was always doing what he was supposed to do. He didn't wait for directions. He knew what had to be done, and he he knocked it out. Also, um, smashed the uh, the BOC on the first first attempt, right? Yeah, yeah, so, I passed it on my first try. So I whole class we had two. 
That's great. So speak to the quality of preceptors we have at North Mason and the quality of um, our faculty, uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Caswell and Dr. A, Dr. Lakai and Dr. Kayak. Um, they all taught us, did a great mm-hmm. job with us and lucky to have been a part of that program. Yeah, I can uh, certainly, t- I can say that you were ready to roll when you were at Garfield. That was for certain. Um, it was like having a certified set of hands on staff. I couldn't leave them alone due to the rules and regs of the Katy, but I uh, just had a lot of faith in, in Ryan when he operated, uh, just watching him work and do what he did. Just knew he was going to be awesome. Uh, when the opportunity presented itself and become a professional, I just knew he was going to rock it out. So that was fun. Yeah, it was a great time. I always have great memories from that year with you. Yeah, maybe we can. Wow, um, we can go over a couple of them when we um, when we uh, as we get started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it was it was really neat. It was really neat. Um, so, what do we have in news in athletic training this week? So. The New York Giants athletic trainer, uh, Ronnie Barnes, was elected to the Hospital for Special Surgery Board of Advisors. So we want to give a big shout-out and a hand clap to uh, Mr. Ronnie Barnes. Congratulations. Um, we have the Athletic Training Educators Conference, which is held every other year. It's um, coming up. It's going to be virtual. Uh, April 29th to May 1st, and there will be on-demand access from May 2nd to May 31st. It will feature days of sessions and networking, 30 days of on-demand access to educational sessions, BAT exhibits and peer engagement opportunities, remarks from Sayers Miller Distinguished Educator Award recipients, V-A-T-E-C chat, A-T Educationalist Town Hall. So be sure to register. It is now open. Um, there is a fee. There is a member rate and a non-member rate. And the early registration um, is good through April 28th. We also have the M-A-A-T-A virtual symposium. Um, the MAATA business meeting will be Saturday, May 15th at 1230 PM, followed by a CE opportunity. You must register for this event. Registration opened, um, opens Monday, May 10th. The CE opportunity um, is EBP pending on uh, the who, when, and how of mental health screening in athletes presented by Kate Joshimison, PhD, ATC, and Shelby Baez. PHDATC. The VMATA, VMAATA on-demand video registration begins Monday, May 17th with access to Category A videos available through Thursday, June 17th. And there will also be a student quiz bowl and synchronous programming offered, including the student quiz bowl Friday, May 14th, and a synchronous student meeting Sunday, May 16th. So stay tuned to that for more information. And again, that's the MAATA um, virtual symposium. I think um, one of my assistants, uh, Emily Myro, is helping to set up the quiz bowl. So shout out to Emily Myro. Keep rocking. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to put, plug that real fast. <laughs> no problem. 
And also, the DCATA has their um, 21, 2021 virtual symposium uh, coming up. Um, it will feature programming from Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, Rachel Moore, our very own Dr. Brandon Holland, Dr. Jim Cow, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jim Kyle, our District President-Elect for District 3, Steve Cole, and Mr. Ed Strapp. So head on over to dcathletictrainers.org slash dcata2021 for more details. Awesome and that will be running from May 10th to May 16th. Sorry. Yeah, so that's that's May 10th to May 16th. Seven-day window to get it in. That's That's kind of cool. I think one of the things I definitely have a, a, a all-star lineup. That's for sure. Yeah. They let that one guy, Dr. Holland in there. Though. I don't know how he made the cut. <laughs> 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 no, I'm really excited to be presenting. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to let the cut out the bag, but um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's a topic that's really important to me and I look forward to it. That's awesome. Wow. Put down my calendar right now because. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've gotten better with the digital ca- on calendar. I'm, I've been good at uh, locking stuff in. So I get reminders on my phone, on my, yeah. my computer, and my watch. And, so. and you watch. If, if I didn't get an alert, I wouldn't be there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's helpful. All right. So this week, with stories and shenanigans, I thought it would be fun to talk about times where we goof off and prank. Uh, each other and our patients and in uh, our settings. We like to have fun. One of the things I've always enjoyed about athletic training, even when I was an undergrad, was that I think I feel like our major had more fun than everybody's. And um, I just enjoy just like a laugh. I just enjoy belly laughing. There's so much of the day where you don't get to have any fun. So anytime I can have some fun, I'm going to do it. So, um, and I thought a good idea would be pranking. So do you do you all have any uh, any goofy or, or fun quick stories about times where you pranked yourselves or someone else or your students? I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I'm all serious and no pranking. But um, <laughs> that's totally not true. Uh, but yeah, as one thing to remember, like, you know, athletic training is a very serious um, profession um, just because of what we're dealing with on a daily basis. But um, it it helps when you have, you know, a good personality, a good character. And, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So sometimes I think the, the funniest thing that I think I do on a regular basis is a lot of times that especially in the high school setting, if, if you use cryotherapy, um, there are certain times where I something needs to be tended to with, with cryotherapy just immediately, you know, sometimes. Um, and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, that's cold. And I was like, oh, you wanted the hot ice. Let me dump this out and get you. And they're like, really? There's a, and I'm like, no. There's, there's no highlight. <laughs> oh, it's so gullible. <laughs> oh man. There's always there's always one I always think is funny. 
especially with the right kid, because um, that's being in a high school setting too, where you have the ultrasound gel, and obviously most ultrasound gel is blue, and it's water-based, so it's fairly harmless. It's not going to poison anyone. Um, and telling kids, oh, yeah, the ultrasound, oh, yeah, that tastes like blueberries. And after you work that kid long enough, you convince them enough to end up trying it and then just seeing the reaction on their face when it went in depth actually doesn't taste like blueberries. It's just regular ultrasound gel. Um, I always wondered. Even like when my time with Dr. Holland, I wouldn't necessarily consider it prank, but talking about like having fun and how serious athletic training can be. Dr. Holland is one of the most fun people I've been around. And even in the serious situation, he knows that even if you can get a smile or a chuckle out of someone, if someone had an injury or we'd go out on the field and someone had like someone would have like an ankle injury or something, he'd go over and like not crack a joke, but be like, Hey, where's your happy place at? And he's like, you want to know where my happy place is at? And Dr. Holland would always be like, Chipotle. Chipotle, that's my happy and place. I, <laughs> at the heart like now that I'm practicing is if there's someone especially if it's not one of my own athletes that I don't know like from day to day and it's a visiting team where I can just get them to relax a second either by giving them a smile or even laughing just slightly that kind of takes that first edge off of that injury um and that's something that even though it's not necessarily a prank bringing some happiness and fun into a situation can kind of help alleviate that super stress of everything yeah, I think breaking That's down that first so wall. That's so true. Yeah, breaking down that first wall is a, it does make life a lot more. And that, yeah, and Ryan, you mentioned like Dr. Holland and the way he, you know, his rapport that he has with just people in general. Um, I've known, obviously, known Dr. Holland for a very long time, and he just has a way of athletes and um, student athletes. He just has a way of connecting with the people. Um, he's in a secondary school setting as well. and But I, it's just that, you know, Dr. Holland had a way of just, he had that dad rapport before he was even a dad. Like, <laughs> you always felt safe. Like, he could be, he always could, like, even if we were, like, about to plummet to our death, like, he could comfort you and make you feel like it's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to plunge to our death. This isn't going to hurt a bit, though, so just relax. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do. Um... And he, he would probably say something like, look at the bright side. You're only going to feel it for a second. Yeah. It's always a bright side. It's always a bright side. <laughs> yeah. Willing to look hard enough to find it. So um, I actually have a, a good one. So where I am now, C.D. Hilton High School, um, the athletic training room there used to be the wrestling room. And before it was a wrestling room, it was a weight room. And when it was a weight room, they put a mirror on the wall so that people could, you know, look at their form while they did certain lifts. And then when it became the wrestling room, I don't know why they didn't take the mirror down from the wall. They just, they just left it in place, but they put a, a temporary wall over it. So like a, just like regular drywall, just like maybe an inch away from the actual glass of, of the, of the mirror that was behind it. And they painted over it and they put mats on the wall so that people fall into the wall. It wasn't a big deal or whatever. 
So uh, we're, we're going through some renovations, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, it stinks because you're displaced, but you know that the outcome is going to be awesome for the students. But still behind that, uh, that drywall is the mirror, right? And so I guess some people tried to hang some things on that wall prior to my arrival there. And there are a couple holes in the wall that are about seven or seven and a half feet high. So um, one of the things I really enjoy doing is telling a good story just to see if I can get a rise out of people. A lot of the stories that happen to me are crazy, but they're, they're true. And then a lot of it is some of them, like on a rare occasion, I'll, I'll sprinkle in some, some outrageous stuff just to see if I can get kids to buy it. So I, I told them that, um, we're going, we're, since we're being renovated and a lot of the school is under construction that the spirits are being disturbed. And I told one of the uh, volleyball players this. It was so funny. And um, she said, what do you mean the spirits are being disturbed? I said, well, you know, this used to be like an Indian burial ground before it was a, a school. She said, I think I heard that. I'm like, no, you didn't, but we'll go with it, right? <laughs> so so um, I told her that um, on the other side of the wall, where the a fake wall is, there's a room with no doors that you can get to. And I said, sometimes I hear things in there and I hear people in there, but you can't go, you can't get to that room. And I said, sometimes I even feel like if you, if you look through the hole, you can see stuff moving around. Right. So I showed her the hole and the, the mirror is just far away enough that you can't see that it's a mirror. And, uh, but you can see like a little bit of light, because there are other holes in the wall that let light through. So it's just perfect. Right. And the last thing you expect when you climb up on a chair to look through this hole is to see your own eyeball staring back at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to post a video, but, um, we, <laughs> I scared Bryce Pap. I scared Emily Myro. I scared my other student. Her name is Katie. Katie's awesome. And then uh, some of the some of the kids were like, "Oh, that's, that's not scary." Like they look and they don't even flinch. But a couple of the kids like jumped through the roof, and it was so funny. Oh, it was so funny. But I'm just a goofball. I love a good laugh, and um, I literally, <laughs> yeah, we laughed at that until my belly hurt. Oh man, it was great. Whew. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's Garfield's mascot is the Indians too, so I think that story would have been a lot more believable. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna change the mascot. I don't know if I told you that, Ryan. Right? Yeah, I don't know when, but uh, this might this might be the last year that they're the Garfield Indians. They they're gonna change the mascot. They they've already voted to change it, but they haven't picked the replacement yet. So that's a that's an interesting conversation to watch that happen. Okay, hopefully something's a human, so they don't have that big mural on the wall, and they're gonna have to figure out what to do with. I know that thing. They we they have a it might be like thirty feet tall. It's a thirty foot like painting oh, of a of a of an Indian of a Native American in traditional uh, Native American garb with his arms folded. It looks kind of dope. But um, in an effort to be more respectful of culture, so we're moving toward an age of cultural competence, right? And um, yeah. so people are getting rid of the mascot uh, because um, they want to be respectful of people's cultures and ideas. So I think that's kind of neat. Um, 
So now we got center court, which is where we feature you, Ryan. You the man for the next however long it takes <laughs> us to go through these questions. Um, it's really no time limit, really no restriction on answers. We just really want to get good, honest feedback. So this is um this one's rated YP for young professionals and uh GS for graduating seniors. We want you guys. This one's for you. Uh, from someone who just recently completed what you're trying to complete and is going into a workforce that you're either just getting into or trying to get into. We want you to hear from, cause we're old, like Donnie and I, like we're old, we're, we're dinosaurs in the game. We're, not, uh, we're baby dinosaurs. Uh, there you go. <laughs> 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 so, <Ow. laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about uh, what it's like to work as a new ATC, especially in the era of COVID. Um, so Ryan, if you don't mind, just take us through what a typical day is like in your work life. So my typical day, it's changed a lot since the fall. It's really been a very fluid situation with things ha- with how things have progressed um, since August. But my typical day, I go into the school around 1030 in the morning um, I'm lucky I don't have to teach any classes or anything like that. Um, but there are days that I go, well, I'll go in and if we have a teacher who's out for something, I might go sit in the class and cover um, that class and help out. Um, it's a very small community at St. Mary's, so we kind of all support each other um, through whatever we need. Um, but I'll typically go in around 1030. This year, um, I've been helping out covering lunch duty. So we'll have our um, students. Uh, go outside and they'll eat lunch outside where they can be socially distant, have their masks on when they're not eating, but they can still be social and talk to their friends in an outdoor environment. Uh, we're lucky enough at St. Mary's that our school is in downtown Annapolis and part of our school goes right onto the water. So we have this garden right on campus that they can go out and sit in. Um, so I'll go out there and then I'll go back in and this year I've spent a lot of time um, checking a daily survey. So all our students have to complete a daily survey every day um, to come to school. So I'm not there in the morning, but all our faculty check in our students into the building and they have to show they have to show proof that they haven't had a fever um, and like haven't been around anybody that's COVID positive or getting tested. Um, and with those surveys, they have to get into the school but we also have to use those surveys for athletic participation too. So I'll be able to go on our Excel sheet and pull up all our students' names. And if we have a game that day, for instance, and it's an away game, I'll pull our whole roster for that game, um, check the surveys, and then I'll email that roster to the opposing athletic director. Um, and that's something that our league, um, the MIA and the IAM, um, for our men, our boys and girls league, they all do. So that's something that takes, a good amount of my time each day, which is not a typical thing for athletic training. Normally you're working on notes or rehabs or doing different things during the day. Um, but this is something that has spent a good amount of my time during the day. It's helped now that more of our students are back in school as opposed to just distance learning. Um, we've gone through a lot of protocols to get that point. Um, so I'll normally spend my afternoon doing that maybe getting some notes done um, from the previous day or making up a rehab for someone if there's like a fairly new injury or I need to progress someone in a rehab. And then around two o'clock I leave our school and head over to our field. 
Um, so something that's also unique about St. Mary's is our school is in downtown Annapolis, but our playing fields and our turf and my my primary athletic training facility um, is about five minutes away. So it's super close, but it's not right next to the school. So I leave the school early to get over to our facility to get it ready for our practices and games. And we don't necessarily have a sports complex. We have our turf field and our stadium um, and our, our locker rooms and stuff. But our baseball field that we use isn't at that complex. It's about half a mile down the road. Our tennis courts are about 20 minutes away. Our track is about five minutes away. Um, our gym is back at the school. So in the winter, something's going on at the turf, basketball's going on in the gym. It's about five minutes apart. So using people, there's other athletic trainers that help me a lot. Um, and we have multiple things going on, but that's another unique thing about St. Mary's and unique thing about my particular situation is having facilities all over. So being able to be flexible and manage the different practices that are going on or if we have multiple games and making sure I know where everyone's at and what's going on each time. Um, so it's definitely being flexible and being able to manage that. Um, school left out at 2.30. The kids normally drive over. Um, in a normal year, we have a shuttle, but this year, it's either we don't have buses at our school. It's a private school. Um, so kids are either driving over to the field um, or their parents are driving them over there. And then from 3 till at the latest 8.30, if we have a late game, um, we'll have practices, games that are turf, teams on and off. Since we only have one turf field, it's pretty cyclical. And my athletic director, um, like myself, are huge on scheduling and making sure everyone knows the schedule and everyone understands our master schedule. That way, when one team's off, then our team's on. So it's kind of that rush. And a lot of times you see in athletic training that pre-practice or pre-game rush where you have a bunch of athletes come into the training room. Um, but for me, that pre-practice rush happens a couple times in the afternoon where boys lacrosse will come and practice and then they're getting off the field and girls lacrosse is getting on. So leaving, going off the field to go in and get treatment for that, um, staying on top of things, being able to multitask, all those things that athletic trainers are really good at just can, um, gets exemplified here. Um, but really, um, that's kind of how my day is. And then I'm, typically done by seven thirty, eight o'clock and then back at it the next day. Um, and right now we have sometimes practice Saturday morning um, during the spring, um, but for the most part we're done by the afternoon on Saturday. So pretty standard day, I would say. Um, just some different things now with COVID um, that kind of changed things. Yeah. And I know your, uh, huh. your venue last year was at, uh, at the United States Naval Academy. Yeah. And so you, you take that, um, I mean, I imagine it's very different that you were at this huge facility for, it, with the Naval Academy in a non-COVID era and then going to a, a high school, albeit a private school, but still, yeah. still, still very different. And then you, you pile COVID on top of that. It makes your, your duties a little different. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of, of uh, things up in the air at one time um, during the day. Like, and, and it seems like communication is, essential with you and your coaches, your athletic director and the other athletic trainers who you work with. Can you speak a little bit to some things that really help keep your communication and make sure that um, practice schedules and times don't get miscommunicated? Um, do you have any tips for future athletic trainers? Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that I 
having technology and the access to it now, I think, is a great tool. But it varies by coach. So one of our coaches is older. So for him, um, in basketball season, I just talk to him directly about, like, injuries or injury reports or managing schedules and practice times. And we kind of meet with him in person and get on top of stuff. Like, okay, what time do you want to practice? Okay, this is where we're going to be at. I'll be here for this. And then I have to leave to go to that. Um, my athletic director is awesome. St. Mary's has been doing it um, before I got here, but we have like a master Excel sheet. So we share it with all our coaches. We had a fall one, then we had a winter one, we had a spring one. So on that, it says like we have a column for which athletic trainers can be present at each thing. If there's going to be an early bus departure for something, what time, like which team is practicing at the turf from what time to what time, and that gets updated religiously. So if we have a coach that says, okay, we're not going to have practice Saturday. Okay. That, he did. that way other teams know, okay, the field's available from this time to this time. Um, so that's something that we've really used a lot um, to really stay on top of it. And I think a lot of it with helping as an athletic trainer is building that rapport with your coaches and understanding like, hey, here's my number. If you need something, call me, especially in our situation where our fields aren't all next to each other. That way they know they can reach out to me directly. Um, but communicating with them makes it so much easier. Like, hey, I'm going to be here, but I have to leave in 20 minutes to go back over to the turf to get this team. And they are all, all our coaches are fantastic and really understanding. Um, and they're really the main reason that we're able to get through everything because they understand the organization level of it. Um, and that they can't waste time in practice or dilly-dally around because we, right when you're done, you need to get someone else back on. Um, and then with that, something that's really happened a lot this year with COVID is the schedules on the fly. So we were supposed to have three lacrosse games this past week, and some of the schools that were playing had some problems with COVID, like everyone's had this year. Um, so that means our schedules had to adjust on the fly. So, okay, rather than playing games, we're going to practice this time, and then our schedule's going to change in the future. So athletic trainers are known to be super flexible because typically we're the last ones to find out information and things change quickly and we're, we just kind of have to work with it. We don't get to decide, decide the game schedule based off our schedule. We are here to help our athletes and serve our teams and make sure everyone stays healthy and safe. Um, so that flexibility of being an athletic trainer and understanding, especially in the COVID year, that schedules are always changing and, Nothing is really set in stone. We could schedule something for next for three weeks from now, and I know right now that thing is probably not going to be staying the same just because of the way things change. Um, so using that technology, um, talking in person, and just really having that strong communication rapport um, has really helped a lot with those types of things. Cool. So outside of um, COVID, because you already talked about, you know, some of the things that you have to do because of COVID-19 and um, some of the protocols that are in place. So if, if you could look at the part of your day, um, you know, minus COVID, yeah. <laughs> um, how much of, how much of it would you say is like you thought it was going to be like how you anticipated it to be? So I was super lucky in my, I would say my early part of my uncertified career that when I was an undergrad, I got an amazing student athletic training aid um, position at Virginia Tech. I got to be around sports medicine, kind of got to see what it was like before I really wanted to be an athletic trainer. 
So that kind of exposed me to the environment. Like, okay, this is kind of how the days go by. And then in grad school, amazing clinical opportunities. We got to bounce, got to go to a bunch of different ones. I was at St. Stephen St. Agnes Upper School, which is a private school up in um, Arlington. That kind of gave me that first example. But a high school was like in a private school in that setting. Um, and then I was at George Mason and then an outpatient clinic to kind of see how that was like. And then really my year with Dr. Holland really exposed me a lot to what the high school environment was like. I never really knew much about high school athletic training. Um, so that really kind of showed me an idea. So when I got into this position at St. Mary's in the, my day-to-day schedule outside of COVID, it's kind of what I anticipated to be, not because I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I thought, but because I was prepared going into it um, by the clinical opportunities I had in grad school and making the most of those opportunities. And if we were having like a weird, like being around all the different games, being around all the different schedules, getting to know coaches and the administration at Garfield and kind of seeing how things, go, how Dr. Holland handled different things in different situations kind of gave me that idea of like, okay, this is generally how things go. Obviously, athletic training, something that I've always liked about it is every day is going to be different. I know for a fact the day I go into work, it most likely is not going to be the same, and I'm not going to deal with the same situation I dealt with yesterday. So it's always changing, but I kind of had an idea of what I was going to get with it or get um, and how I anticipated it. There were some things where it's like, okay, I wasn't necessarily expecting to cover some classes to help out the teachers or the online studio or um, in the fall and the winter, not having as many sports because of COVID. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of what I anticipated it would be um, because of the preparation I had in the past and my open-mindedness that I kind of got from those experiences. Cool. That's nice. All right. So uh, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, right? So, Thinking back on your time as as an undergrad and a grad student, and then young athletic trainer, uh, like brand new out of the program, what aspects mm-hmm. of your work life are like the total opposite of what you thought they would be? Um, so I definitely think like using like different programs and technology to tack rosters and like all those different things were a lot different than what I had learned. At- so much in school, you kind of learn stuff by the book to start. And then through your clinical rotation, you kind of learn, okay, most things aren't by the book. Every once in a while, you get something like, oh, wow, that was actually by the book. That injury happened. <laughs> so if I pull my book out, that's how that injury happened. Um, but very rarely it doesn't happen like that. So kind of like, like okay, you get into it. And it's like, oh, that's not really what I thought it was going to be. Or um, communicating with parents I think is one thing where you kind of sometimes where I kind of thought like okay these parents might be on me a lot if I make a mistake they're gonna be super angry at me and like stress that like understanding that mistakes are going to happen but kind of being stressed with dealing with some of the parents like okay maybe especially at a school like this um where the community's super tight but a lot of our athletes so we this coming week we're actually doing a college signing ceremony and we have 33 seniors that will be playing sports in college wow. somewhere in the country and we have maybe 120 seniors so it's an awesome amount of our class that's going to be playing d3 d2 d1 college athletics anywhere from hopkins and maryland lacrosse to 
swimming to baseball all over the place. Um, so dealing with people that and parents that these kids have big futures in athletics and if there's an injury and it may not be healing as quickly as people want it to, or the pressure from that, um, and dealing with that stress and be like, okay. And then I kind of got into it. It's like, Oh wait, they're not going to be angry at me. They just like communicating with them and explaining to them like, okay, this is what's going on. People are super understanding of that. And they're not going to attack you over that. And even with the coaches, like, Hey, why is our guy, why is our guy not getting back right away? And then it's explaining, like, Hey, this is where it's at. If we take our little bit of time here, it's going to help us in the long run and really explaining that. So I guess that would be one thing that was kind of different than what I thought where you might have some more stress with that. But in reality, as long as you're communicating and explaining things, people really are understanding for the most part. Cool. So, um, I don't know, uh, what, what were, um, speaking in that note, so like, um, what things do you wish you had a little bit more experience with as a student? So, like I said, I was super lucky to be a part of George Mason's program, and I think they really prepare their students well to become athletic trainers, both through the in-school like in part, our professors have tons and tons of knowledge on every single topic. And then our clinical preceptors were amazing and really exposed us um, to all different situations. But I think the one thing that comes along with the, how athletic training education is changing where it's a two-year program is that your clinical site, you're not there for a long period of time, which is fine because you're getting all these different experiences, which I value so much. But with that, you're not able to build those relationships over time or you're not able to really be around for those longer-term rehabs um, because, okay, you get there, you might be there for half a semester, and then you're moving on. So kind of right when you're getting comfortable in that situation and getting to know the athletes and you know the other athletic trainers and the people there, then you kind of move on and you kind of like, okay, I didn't get to really see that stuff through. So probably dealing with like those longer-term rehabs, even if it's like, not necessarily like six to nine months, like an ECL reconstruction, but maybe one that's like two months. By the time you're done, by the time you're like halfway through, you didn't get to really see that completion. And I feel myself as an athletic trainer, something I love so much and why I love being an athletic trainer is being a part of that journey for our students and our student athletes where you might be with them at a really low point when they have an injury but being a part of that journey and seeing them work their way back where I've had an athlete at St. Mary's who got injured at the beginning of train, uh, at the beginning of tryouts and seeing them come back on the field and have a hat trick in lacrosse. Like those are those little things. And it's like, you're not, there's no one more happy than you to be a part of that. So not having that in grad school and as a student, um, it's just kind of like a caveat of what you have to deal with, um, in the awesome clinical setting. Um, but not being a part of that um, and losing that, making that little bit of a sacrifice with the patient relationships and some longer term rehab. Nice. That's very uh, well explained. I can definitely see where um, like once you're just getting into the, the flow or the feel of a, a clinical uh, setting in your rotation and then boom, you know, you got to, move on to the next one. So yeah, I could, I could see what that, I see. 
Exactly. Frustrating. Yeah. Okay. So I got a question. This is a little bit, uh, just changing gears a little bit. Um, I think most athletic training students, like when we start the major, when we first get into it, we all look ahead, like through our fake crystal balls, right. To, to see where we're going to be in Mm -hmm. the future. Like, um, where do you see yourself ending up? Like if you could pick your dream job or, uh, like when you when you when you looked ahead as a student and you saw yourself working as an athletic trainer, where did you uh, where did you see yourself? What did you see the top of your career looking like? And and has that vision changed between the time you were a student and now? That's an awesome question, and I think like myself and I could probably ask all my classmates this, and we've all kind of changed a little bit throughout our time um, through school. And everyone always has those big dreams of pro sports. Like I'm a huge, like you said, I'm a huge Penguins fan, huge Pittsburgh fan. Um, yeah, I went to that one hockey game. You got me on that game um, with <laughs> yeah. the Capitals. Um, but honestly, like dream job of all dream jobs would be like the head athletic trainer for the Penguins. Like that would be like ultimate goal in athletic trainer because the athletic trainers on the NHL teams get their name on the Stanley Cup. Like if I ever had my name on the Stanley Cup, like. I could die at that point. Like, okay, my career has been complete. I achieved this. <laughs> and that was like, how, like going to that, like, man, I go, like, who want to do that? And then for the most part, though, I was dead set D1 athletic, college football, college baseball. And that's kind of where my comfort zone was and what I really was experienced with from Virginia Tech. I got to work with our football team. I got to work with our baseball team a lot. So going into grad school, is like, this is what I love. I love this setting. This is what I really want to do. I love that time in athlete's life in college and being a part of that journey for four years. Um, however, over my time in grad school, and it really goes back to Dr. Holland again, when I was, my time with Dr. Holland really opened my mind up to working at that high school level. So I was like, I like this. This isn't bad. I would do this. I it's very simple. Like I look at it that it's like college, you're on that four year journey. You can still be a huge role model on these um, student athletes lives and play a big factor um, in helping them grow as people and grow in their athletics and help them on their journey. Um, so went through that. I was like, okay, I, still, I would do this. I would consider this. Maybe not, not right now, but maybe down in the future as I get older, maybe when I want to have a family and kind of want to be like more, with a little bit more of a set schedule, as much as you can have a set schedule in athletic training, which is very rarely at work. Um, <laughs> so I finished grad school, and I was looking at internships, fellowships, full-time positions if I could get one. And I was mostly focused on applying to colleges because I was still kind of what I wanted to do and my primary focus. And I was lucky enough to get a fellowship at the Naval Academy. Um, one of my preceptors at George Mason helped me kind of network with them and get me in there. And it was kind of full circle. My dad was in the Navy. I grew up in Maryland. So going back to the Naval Academy was a super amazing opportunity to kind of start my career um, and really see what athletic training was like as a certified athletic trainer. Um, So I went through that year at Navy, learned more than I could ever um, talk about and really had an incredible time. And taught me a lot about an athletic training, but really taught me about being a person and 
sacrifice and leadership and some of those skills that are instilled with the midshipmen and really learning a lot from them. So I like trainers are always here to help other people and help our athletes, but, and teach them stuff. But I learned so much from my time at the Academy from the athletes that I worked with and, this, and just the innate qualities that they had. So it was super incredible to be there. And obviously like everyone, COVID threw a wrench in 2020 and kind of messed everything up. And my fellowship ended prematurely in March when all the midshipmen got sent home. And I was still working virtually and kind of doing what everyone else was doing. I was back home working on Zoom and email and kind of what everyone else was doing. And I was looking for jobs because my time was ending and I was looking for like that full-time position. Like, okay, I got my year of experience and I think I'm ready for a full-time position at a college. Um, with Navy, I talked to home and said I worked with a bunch of different teams. So that kind of, that was like the new step of opening my mind and working, being flexible. Like I didn't have to work D1 football. I didn't have to work D1 baseball. Like there was a lot of sports I'm open to working and I enjoyed working at Navy. Um, but COVID kind of threw a wrench into that. So unfortunately with COVID hitting and shutting down athletics, like we all dealt with, there was a lot of sports in colleges that got cut. And when they got cut, athletic trainers lost their jobs, unfortunately. So not only was I applying for jobs as a fairly new, as a young professional who really only ha- I had experience, but I only had that one year of certified experience. So my resume wasn't, super in-depth where I could be like, oh, yeah, I got this, this, and this. I really had one thing, and that was about it. And I was competing for jobs against people that were trying to find a career that were 10-plus years in the field. And you might people might want a young professional, but they're going to take someone that's been there for a long time and just knows has more experience than I do. So it was definitely tough looking for jobs, and I'm someone who always believes that everyone has a journey and everyone has a path. And whatever that journey and path is, is what's meant for you and trusting that journey because it's going to be what ends up best for you. I've been getting frustrated with stuff. And then um, St. Mary's posted for their position in the end of July of last year. And I had heard things about St. Mary's. Um, Our head athletic trainer at Navy um, had a good relationship with the athletic director at St. Mary's and with the schools being about 200 yards apart from downtown. Um, there's a good relationship between the school, um, both schools. So I heard about, it. I reached out, um, to my former boss and I said, Hey, what do you think about this position? He's like, Brian, I think you would be absolutely amazing at this job. You definitely should apply. I was like, okay. And he's someone that's going to give it to you straight on everything. He's not going to be around the bush. He's going to be honest with you. And I appreciate that. Um, I was like, Hey, could you reach out? He's like, absolutely. Five minutes later, he sent an email saying, Oh, here, it's a talk to the athletic director. So I applied five days later. I had a zoom interview with my now boss. And then two days after that, I had an in-person interview with my boss and the principal. And then two days after that, I was offered the position. So in the span of a week and a half, I went from not having anything to have open, been open enough to be like, I like high school from the previous experiences, and I think this could be a good position for me, to having a job and moving back to Annapolis and into my apartment and starting work within three weeks. So it was a big whirlwind. Um, so my what I viewed as athletic training and what I wanted to do really changed a lot in the span of a year and a half. 
and really helped me a lot from my clinical experiences. And now that I'm in, I've been here for nine months and I can't believe how quickly it's gone. I know this is the best place for me and I have no aspirations of changing anything anytime soon. I absolutely love my time. It's uh, my, my position at St. Mary's. I love our coaches. I love our student athletes. I love the community that St. Mary's has. Um, and I love everything about it. And I look at it that this is where I'm meant to be. This is the best place for me. And I truly, truly believe that where I'm at now, I can provide the best care. I can help these students on their journey um, and not only help them grow and hopefully play a factor in their lives, even if it's just one thing where it's like, hey, they talk, they felt comfortable talking to me about something and that helps them in the future or giving them advice about college as they're going into seniors or the fact that I was around college athletes and giving them tips about, hey, these are what college athletes do at Navy or these are what college athletes do at George Mason or Virginia Tech. Like, this is this can kind of get you a net uh, step up when you if you start doing this now by the time you get to college in the fall. Um, and not only growing them and helping them, but really growing myself and making myself a better person and a better athletic trainer. And I have no plans on leaving this anytime soon. So it's an interesting story of how things have changed. But uh, I definitely feel blessed in the opportunities that I've got and then understanding the path. And once again, like many of things in my athletic training journey, it's gone back to Dr. Holland and his impact on my life and my time as an athletic trainer. And I can't thank him enough for everything that he's done for me and opening my eyes and exposing me um, to all different situations. Oh, man, that means a lot. Thank you. That's awesome. Wow. All right. So, that, I mean, that says it all. All right. Um, let me ask you one, one more question. Um, I don't know if, if Dr. V has any more. Uh, do you, you want to ask any more, Dr. V? I know. Um, let's hear what your last question is. Okay. Well, I just want to good for the moment. If, <laughs> as a, as a, a guy who's still relatively new in the profession, and you can look back and, and speak to people who might be listening to this podcast who are, either new or getting ready to be new very soon. Um, what words of wisdom would you provide to them? What, what advice would you give to them? Awesome question. So I'll start with this is everything that I've learned in athletic training. I've learned from fantastic mentors and amazing athletic trainers across all levels of athletic training, across all levels of experience. And I've really tried to pick something from everyone. If there's something every athletic trainer I've been around trying to pull something from them, whether it's their organization or their skills or their communication or their creativity in developing rehab and keeping it fun or all their different skills. I think every person you come in contact with has something that you can take from to make you a better person and something that you could probably give to them from yourself. So first thing for me that I would recommend, that what I would say to anybody starting in athletic training, anybody interested in being in athletic training is understanding the importance of communication. Without strong communication, nothing will work well. Things are going to collapse. People are going to be angry. People are going to be confused. So communicate with your coaches, communicate with your athletes, communicate with your parents. If you're at that level, even in college, you got to communicate with the parents because most of the time the parents are the ones calling about stuff. At my time at the Naval Academy, I had to communicate with the military side of things. If I wanted to put someone in a walking boot, I had to ask a doctor to sign a note because they had to be out of uniform. 
So the importance of communication cannot be like explained and shown enough. Um, and it makes everything work around easier. It makes everything flow easier. Might not make the day easier. It might not make the day a little bit better. Um, but it's going to make things smooth, smooth, as smooth along as possible as opposed to not having good communication. Um, kind of going off what I just said, be open minded to all situations and opportunities. Um, if you're not open-minded going into a situation and you might go, Oh, I don't want to be here. Why am I having to be at a high school? Like, I don't want to work in a high school. I want to work in a college or I want to work in pro sports. Then you're never going to learn anything. Um, I've learned from many athletic trainers, athletic trainers and athletic trainers and athletic trainers. You can be an athletic trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs working with Patrick Mahomes, or you could be an athletic trainer working with a middle school girls basketball player. Your skills are still the same whether you're dealing with $500 billion or an ankle sprain with just the, the girl who's just trying to figure out how to play basketball. It's all the same. So be open-minded to every situation you're going to get and every opportunity you're going to get because you're going to be able to take skills and learn from that situation. Even if you don't think it's going to come back, you're probably going to see that situation again and it's going to set you up better in the future by having be open-minded when you go into these situations and go into these opportunities. One of my most important things that I've learned was told to me by Dr. Holland on the day of our pinning ceremony. Um, so George Mason, if you pass the board um, for a certification exam on your first try, you get the special pin and we have a ceremony right before graduation where we each get to pick one person to come pin us. And everyone cries and we all say really nice things about each other. Um, but something I remember Dr. Holland said, through all the tears of me and my family, not Dr. Holland, um, <laughs> is the uncomfortable, comfortable situation. Because it's super easy to work in something comfortable. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know how I can do this every single day. And go through the motions and you get, you clock in, you clock out, and you go through it. But when you get in those uncomfortable situations and those new situations that you weren't expecting, that's where you're going to grow the most. And that's where you're going to be bettering yourself as a professional and bettering yourself as a person. I didn't know I was going to end up at a private school in Annapolis, Maryland. When I was applying for jobs, I was applying for jobs all over the East Coast, all over the Midwest, trying to get myself out of my comfort zone. I grew up in Maryland. I went to college in Virginia. I did my internship in Maryland. I wanted to push myself out into that college situation, which I was comfortable in, but in a new area, which was going to push me more and grow me more. But coming into this setting, I went from being a fellow who was in charge of heavyweight rowing, but all the other sports I spoke to someone else about things. Like I could make my rehabs, but I still went back to those people. Now I was in charge of a, very, a private school with, five, with 420 athletes, all these teams and managing our budget, managing all our files, managing all our physicals, not to mention managing all the COVID stuff, which was brand new. And I was still trying to figure out how to do all the other stuff while doing the COVID stuff. So it was certainly an uncomfortable situation. And I can't talk about how much I felt I've personally grown since I started here in August and really just becoming accustomed to like, okay, these uncomfortable situations, I'm going to make them comfortable. I'm going to keep working and making myself better so that this situation becomes one of my new comfortable situations and something that I'm not prepared in can make me better. 
I became CPR certified to teach CPR. I had no idea how to do that. And I was, that was certainly uncomfortable the first time I was going up with people that were 20, 30 years older than me, teaching them how to do something. Like as someone who's young, I think a lot of young professionals can speak on when you're working with a lot of people that have been in the field, in any field for a long period of time, it can be kind of intimidating. Like, okay, these people have to know more than me because they've just been around longer. And it's not necessarily true. You could have a skill set that someone else doesn't know. So even though it might be uncomfortable, you could still make a big difference and help move that along or teach someone something else. So that was some, that's something I always carry to heart. I tell people this all the time about um, that what Dr. Pollen told me um, that night in 2019. Um, it means a lot to me. And then my last one is when I learned in undergrad and have really carried it through is the importance of networking and then keeping those connections. So Ernest Eugene is an athletic trainer. I'm sure Dr. Holland and uh, Dr. Valentine have known Ernest or met Ernest before. He's been around all over the place. Um, he's currently the head athletic trainer with the Orlando Magic now. But when I was at Virginia Tech, men's basketball head athletic trainer. And Ernest, in my opinion, is the king of networking. He knows people everywhere. Like, you wouldn't, like, oh, do you know somebody? Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Um, so he taught me and some of my classmates a lot about networking and the importance of who you know. So obviously, it's so informal, you know. But who you know is going to help you a lot. I got my position at Navy because of someone that I knew. I got my position at St. Mary's or helped my, get me my position at St. Mary's through someone I knew and what they said about me. Um, so networking, keeping those connections. One tip he always said was break the year into quarters and reach out each quarter to those people. Even if it's just like, hey, spring football starting up. Hey, good luck with the start of spring football. Hope everything's well with you. That way, if you ever reach back and see them again, they know, oh, okay, I know who this guy is. He didn't just fall off the face of the earth after he spent some time with me. Um, so it's important to network. And then while with networking, when you're with, different people you never know what setting you're going to meet them in it could be at NETA in the middle of vegas and you could just be talking with someone you never know when that person's going to come back in into your life and you might bring up or talk about something so always put your best self forward always prevent present yourself well because you always want people to remember you as who you truly are not on a bad day or um, so that was something that I learned a lot in undergrad and it really helped me carry me through, um, through grad school and early part of my career is the importance of networking and valuing those connections and relationships. Um, even if you know, didn't necessarily get along with that person or somewhere you worked, keeping those connections and keeping a good relationship with them is important. Wow. Everything you just said was absolutely profound. Um, a couple of things really stuck out to me. Um, the, what, when you were talking about the pinning ceremony and um, how you were in some situations where you learned you were teaching CPR to other people who were older than you, and you you kind mm-hmm. of felt a little intimidated. You felt a little intimidated, and I heard something recently about you know what it takes you know for a good team and, and teamwork to really work, and it's it's the wisdom of the older individuals on the, t- of the team and the energy of the younger individuals. And then when, when those two come together, 
that's that's when great teamwork and great collaboration and great learning can take place. So there's something, you know, to be gained from each party. Absolutely. So that that stuck out to me. And um, when you spoke about the networking and just reaching out um, to people who you've you've come in contact with and who you, you know, had some type of relationship with just to keep that going. Um, it's important not to let those relationships die. So you are absolutely right about that. You're really on point <laughs> with your advice. And I'm sure um, the young professionals out there um, in the aspiring athletic trainers will really appreciate that. And I appreciate it as well. Um, it's very refreshing to hear you speak, Ryan. <laughs> Um, I can I can hear your passion, and it's just great to to feel that and um, see where you're going. And and the the student athletes at St. Mary's High School in Annapolis are profoundly lucky to have you as an AT. And thank you for being on with us tonight. Uh, I pre- I appreciate the opportunity. Um, like I said, I learned I learned from the best. Um, so I can only thank those people so much for the influence they've had on my life. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to to join us on our podcast and, and veg out with us and also to share some good information for the young people who are uh, blazing the trail that you blazed. I'm I'm very excited. And uh Thank you. I appreciate it. Breaking my podcast debut. <laughs> yeah, you gotta make sure you put this on your, your, your resume and your C V. So Oh absolutely. So so now you're an invited speaker. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, everyone can go ahead. Everyone can do it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I was going to say before we get out of here, do you want to tell a story of how we how we got left by the bus? Oh, this is, this is a fantastic, fantastic, horrible story. So, as most athletic trainers know, when you have road football games with varsity football, you're traveling for the most part. Um, so we were waiting for our buses, and Prince William County is notorious for sending buses at the last minute to Garfield. Um, that was something I learned quickly from Dr. Holland, that we were <laughs> never the price. So the bus lot was at the school. <laughs> uh, so we were waiting, had all our table, all our kits and everything up on the hill, and waiting for the bus to arrive. And our football coach asked Dr. Holland to go in and, do something for him. I think it was something related to like the impact test or something. So I was waiting outside and then the buses rolled up. So I went to like carry our stuff down the field, down to the hill and like put it on the bus. And then I walked up and I guess the coach said something like, Hey, I don't know what, whatever he said, Dr. Holland knows how this has knows how this coach was with sports medicine and communication, which was not there. Um, and I went up to get the stuff and I turned around, the buses are driving away and Dr. Holland walked out the door and I was like, they left us and the football <laughs> drove away. And by the time we were like, Oh my God, like Dr. Holland can explain his mentality from when he saw all this and his previous experiences. But I was like, wow, they left us. So we ended up driving to the, driving to the football game um, because as athletic trainers, our duties are 
to taking care of the student athletes and making sure their health and safety is paramount, even if other people are causing problems with it and inhibiting that. So we get there, and somehow the blame was put on me that apparently he said, oh, are you guys good? And I didn't reply at all. I, like, I would have told you if I said, no, wait for us. And he, they, we, people thought that we were supposed to, we were going to be going another way and like all in a big Garfield for forever. And he had never driven himself to the game. Like nothing has changed. He didn't just suddenly change that night. Um, so needless to say, it was an interesting situation. It was a great situation for me to learn about the importance of communication. Um, Cause even in every situation, no matter how, angry or pissed off you are or frustrated about something, you can learn from it, you can grow from it, and it sets you up better in the future. So I don't know if Dr. Hall wants to get his side of this. His import <laughs> from that an interesting night for us. And, and then the football team almost won, I think, at the end of the game. It was like a weird, it was a weird night. Yeah. We actually, um, it was a, a student who had not completed his paperwork told the coach that he did complete his paperwork. So the coach asked me to go and check and make sure it wasn't in my office. I said, yeah, sure. I know it's not in my office, but we'll check. And while I was checking, the buses came. And and literally in the three or four minutes I was in my office, um, the buses left. I came out and the buses were pulling away and Ryan was standing at the curb with all of our equipment. And I said, did the buses leave us? He said, yeah, he left. He said something and then he left. And I was <laughs> furious. I was so, I was 38 hot. I was like, me and this dude about to get it in. Because I'd already had issues with him telling players not to come see me for their injuries. And um, so it wasn't our first rodeo, him and him and I, so to speak. And so we drove. To, I was just going to go home. I was like, you know what? Let's just go home. I was just going to give Ryan a night off. I was going to take a Friday off and I was going to go get some hot wings or something. And I said, you know what? It'll be the day that I don't go to a football game that they have all of the catastrophic things. And I wish I was there. And I don't want to punish the athletes because the coach was a pee hole. So uh, I, we drove to the, to the, to the school and I unloaded my stuff, and we're carrying it all into the to the stadium. And he immediately walks over to the sideline. And the first words out of his mouth were, hey, your assistant said you were going to ride with the cheerleaders. I said, uh-huh. that's BS because we don't even know if the cheerleaders are coming. Like, how would he know the cheerleaders are coming? They don't go to most of their away games. So, And they didn't. They didn't even come that night. So... so I, chew, I did chew him out. I was like, look, whatever you got going on with you, whatever might be going on between you and me is one thing, but don't lie on my help. Don't blame my help because you said or did. I just, I had, we had a coming to Jesus talk. And, um, but, but he left Jesus shortly again after that because I found out he was standing on the end of the sideline with his phone on WebMD trying to diagnose injuries to decide whether or not he should send kids down to see me still. But, um, uh, that's the way it crumbles. Huh. But um, I'm grateful Ryan was there, and you would never know that that happened to us that night because he had this giant grin on his face the entire night. He just had a great time at the game, 
And uh, that was always one of my favorite things about Ryan. It didn't matter how miserable things were. We had a lacrosse game in sideways rain. It was 40 degrees, and we were both soaked to the bone and freezing. And we were getting all up in the game, oh, too. Yeah. We lost like 157 to negative four. It was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't pretty. No, it was. It, it had to get prettier to be ugly. It was bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no mercy rule? Yeah, there is a mercy rule. Um, <laughs> so, running clock. Yeah, the mercy rule is a running clock. They don't just stop the game. So the, but, the clock just wasn't running fast enough. No, this clock was stopped and laughed and pointed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even that night, I was freezing and miserable, and my old bones and knees hurt, my shoulders hurt. And I looked over, and Ryan looks like he's having the time of his life. And uh, I wasn't having life, but I'm still. <laughs> and I will say, like good rain. Go ahead. Oh, that's why good rain gear is like the most important purchase for an athletic trainer. I was just getting, you, uh, professionals. When you graduate, your first thing you should buy or ask if you're working out of college or school is please get me good rain gear because you never want to be cold and you never want to be cold and wet. That was actually, I was going to say Absolutely. all of the things you were saying tonight that you learned from me. One of the things I learned from you is this company, uh, what is, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it Grundens or Grundens? They make the ring. They make the gear that, uh, if you watch deadliest catch, this is what the crab fishermen wear. And, yeah. uh, so it's pricey. Oh. It is pricey, but, but it keeps you dry. It keeps you all the way dry, like all yeah. the way dry. And, Every, every that, that first time you're soaked and cold, you will soon see that pricey really means priceless. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> many people know about those jackets that are supposed to keep you dry, but after like two hours, you're not dry anymore. So yeah. getting that good <laughs> rain and rain pants, thick. Yeah. And a, another hack is that is uh, I use um, ski pants. Um, yeah. when it's cold. Yeah, because ski pants are made for people who are moving on the slopes and on skis and in snowboards. And then they have the little, they have the elastic cuff at the bottom. Like they have the regular cuff that goes down over the boot. And then they have an elastic cuff on the inside of the pant that's also very insulated and warm. So that, um, that goes down on the inside of your, of your boot over top of your sock. And then the, the cuff that goes over your boot is waterproof, you know, and keeps all the elements from keep letting it get into your boot. Because once your feet get wet and cold, that's it. You can forget it. Yeah. It's going to be a long day or night. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was quite the time in Garfield. A lot of interesting situations. But <laughs> Yeah, it was a blast. And you know what? If if we were to tell you about them, you would say those guys are making that up. It was always something cool going on. That was one of my favorite yeah. things about being at the school. Yeah. So since since uh, Dr. Holland mentioned that this was rated YP for young professionals, um, I want to you know give a little bit of information a little bit of news from the student senate newsletter letter from the maata 
So we are in District 3, so that's why we talk about MAATA a lot. So if you're in another district and you want to send us information to share um, for your district, please pass it along. We will be happy to announce that for you. Um, so the they, the MAATA Student Senate wants to highlight the application for the Chuck Kimmel First Time um, Attendee Award. Um and that's if you're the first time NATA convention attend, attendee enrolled in a KD accredited program and you have an MPI number. And they also um, wanted to highlight ATC because that is a benefit resource available to certified and student athletic trainers. Um, that's a, a huge uh, service provided by NATA for young professional athletic trainers. And then the MAATA Student Senate Service Project um, wants to announce their service project recipient. Um, so we're going to talk about District 3 again. And we have Marilyn, um, and that's Hillary Blosser at Fort Hill High School. For D.C., we have Stephen Taylor with D.C. Metropolitan Police Academy. Virginia, we have Alyssa Kosick at Unity Reed High School. In West Virginia, we have Hayden Sturgill at Hannah Junior Senior High School. North Carolina, we have Randy Pridgen at East Wake High School. And at South Carolina, we have Caitlin Hart, Newberry High School, at Newberry High School. And if you want to donate to any of the recipients, please visit the clothing store at www.rockmillinc.com slash M-A-A-T-A or Venmo at M-A-A-T-A student service and they have like a um, project where with M-A-A-T-A logo like face mask, um, have zip quarter zip shirts, things like that. I just wanted to plug that so thank you Rachel Gordon she's very diligent with her newsletter and getting that information out. Thank you to her. Awesome. Well, I think that was a fun episode. <laughs> I, Indeed. I had a blast. All right. So uh, that's it. Um, we're going to wrap it up uh, once again. Um, please, 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 if you haven't already, please like, follow, and share with us on sh- social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the underscore top underscore DAT. On LinkedIn at top dash DAT and the number one, that's top dash dat one. And you can follow us by getting updates sent directly to your phone. If you want to text the word top DAT, that's all one word top dat to the number five, five, four, six, nine text top dat to five, five, four, six, nine. And we'll send you updates every time something new and cool happens. You also can look on there and, and see our bios and there's links to our websites and that'll be fun. That's fun. So, um, thank you one more time, Ryan, for, for jumping in with us. And, uh, I am the Uplift AT, Dr. Holland, reminding you that the difference between a good day and a bad day is your outlook. Change your attitude, change your life. I am, oh, sorry. I am the unapologetic AT, Dr. Donita Valentine, reminding you that you're doing this all for nothing if you don't stand up for something. Awesome. We can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for tuning in with us. It was a blast. Thanks you one more time to to Ryan Brown, ATC out of uh, St. Mary's High School in Maryland.
Thank you, Ryan.